welcome to Performance Anxiety. Katie Jane Garside's journey into music is a lot different than most. Unless, of course, you know another artist who spent their formative years sailing the world, spending literally years at sea. Then it turns out that she was discovered by legendary producer Glenn Johns. Her first productive band, Daisy Chainsaw, resulted in Courtney Love calling her one of the original Riot Girls. From Daisy Chainsaw through Queen Adrena, her music was unmistakable. And even when she met her longtime partner, Chris Whittingham, and changed gears to a quieter sound with Ruby Throat, it was just as intense. Now Katie Jane and Chris have plugged back in with Liar Flower and combined those sounds into something really unique. Check out the new Liar Flower album, Geiger Counter, on One Little Indian. Follow her social media at Garside Katie Jane. Follow us at Performance ANX. Subscribe, rate, review, share. I really want to make a terrible sailing pun right now, but I'll stop myself while you check out the show with Katie Jane Garside of Liar Flower. Now I've got performance anxiety. <laughs> okay, here it comes. All right, okay. <sighs> okay, uh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. I am Katie Jane Garside, and I am in a band called Liar Flower, and I've been in bands called Ruby Throat and Queen Adrena and Daisy Chainsaw, and you are listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. I, I appreciate I appreciate okay. you. No problem. No problem at all. So thank you for joining me. Um, it's been really, really wild uh, re, re-familiarizing myself with Daisy Chainsaw and getting to know Queen Adrena, Ruby Throat, and now Liar Flower, and, and your solo album, that you, the, the Katie Jane Garside album that you did. What, Lala uh, wasn't Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to know a little bit more about how you got to where you are before we actually get into the new album that's coming out. Sure. So, were you into music as a kid? I know, and we'll get into this a little bit, but I know you spent several of your formative years sailing. And uh, even before that, were you in a musical household? Were you singing? Were you playing instruments? Um. Well... I remember my, um, I was, I don't know how it happened, but I think round about five, something like that, my, uh, there was a, a, you know, one of those suitcase record players. Oh, yeah. In the room that I shared with my sister. And um, there was, there was just one record and it was, uh, Petula Clark, uh, downtown. Oh, wow. It's a great record to have. Isn't it? Yeah, so a seven-inch single, and I just, uh, I, I just remember just that, just playing that on repeat in, in, our, in our room, so as, as we played. Um, so, and I just, I just adored it and just felt uh, the, uh, you know, the thrill of it. It's, it is still a really thrilling record, that one, if you listen to it. The, that chorus is just, there's a real euphoria in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect word. I, that's, yeah. It Absolute is, euphoria isn't it? in that. That's yeah. great. And it's so, that was just, it was just, you know, it, was, it um, just, uh, what's the, 
um, I think there was like a transference of energy from that. I just, uh, I just, you know, that to actually have that. Oh, it's making my heart race when I just when I think about it. That's what it. <laughs> that's what it made me feel. You know, just so wow. exuberant, so exciting, and you could see all the lights. You know, because it talks about all the all the lights downtown. You could see all the lights in the music, and I, you know, that's so that that's my earliest. That's my earliest memory. So even at that young of an age, you really had a connection with music. But it just really went, yeah, no, it, it's very, very much so. And um, my, you know, my my mum and dad, they just, they were, they got together really young and had us really young and they just played everything from, <laughs> you know, the Beatles and the Stones and, uh, you know, Cat Stevens and, and Led Zeppelin and Elton John and uh, and oh. yeah, and it was all the good stuff. And they they part, you know, they were they were sort of kids, so they were they were just they was just having so many parties and dinner parties, and music was was um, was all around. It, it, so, and your father had a musical background, right? He he played in some local bands, and, but he's also in the in the army, correct? Yeah, my dad was in the SAS, and uh, well, eventually he was in the SAS, which. Uh, uh, but I think um, before that, yeah, he he makes uh, he um, he said he wanted he uh, he played trumpet, and he had to learn he had to learn all the improvised bits note by note because it didn't. The so the so called improvised bits, no, nope. <laughs> because it didn't come didn't come naturally. So uh, uh, yeah. so he he learned them note by note by note, and uh, wow. and um, and decided that wasn't for him. So he became the, the singer in uh, in in a yes. What I do to have some recordings of that? Hey. Oh yeah, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, but but. Uh, but that that was it. My sister, um, you know, she's four years younger than me, and she she sort of has a kind of savant touch where she was writing writing songs on piano at three years old, and oh wow, just completely self taught. And I'm not that. That's not that's not where I come from. I think uh, it. Uh, yeah, I think I feel it in my body. You know, it's I see it in right. pictures, and I never played an instrument not till not till I was where I am now, which is uh, fifty one. I started playing prop, and I can't I can't even claim it actually. <laughs> I play auto harp, but you know I still play it like a like a kid with a paint pot. You know, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I love it. I love it so much. You know, it's like, you know, learning all the time. It's kind of it's, it's broken my brain open and given me access to a whole, whole other, a whole other thing that I, 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 I didn't know I, I had. So yeah, it's. Um, but yes, I'm. That's that's amazing. Hmm. Now, when you were twelve, you and your whole family lived aboard a yacht for four years and, and sailed around the sailed the world is what was uh how did that happen why did that happen and and how did that have an effect on you well it just you know they these guys that i came from they're sort of very romantic and they they um 
uh, they they just dream it up and they do it. And wow. my dad just, I remember he was talking to me one day when I was in the bath and he said, do you want to sail around the world? And I said, I, I was, uh, I think I was about seven years old and uh, I, I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, daddy. As long, <laughs> as long as we can call the boat silver seaweed, I'm up for it. <laughs> that was the only condition. Yeah, it was my only condition. Took us a few years. I, I was eleven actually when we left, and that was a, wow. that was a two year. I, I was actually I was soon twelve. You're right. That was a two year circumnavigation. Wow. A lot of time spent at sea, and absolutely no comms, no communication devices, no radio, not even VHF radio, nothing. Oh my God. Nothing to the outside world. Um, and uh, on a very small boat, 32 foot boat. And wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That must have really given you a different perspective on, on life and the world. Well, I think that's so formative i can't underestimate it because at that age it uh you know we would spend uh, over a month at sea uh, at various points we spent a lot of time at sea to get around the world in two years means you're you're covering on a on a on a relatively slow boat you know these these boats they don't you're happy if you you're going five five knots wow you know that's not much faster than walking uh, so you know it's you have to that's a long a long time at sea and yeah. i was very fortunate to have my my little sister mel and we uh you know we literally had books and ourselves and the toys we made you know i made rag dolls and we would spend hours and hours just acting out stories, listening to uh, music, uh, tapes, uh, wobbly old tapes that my grandfather had made for us of all the great musicals like West Side Story and My Fair Lady and... Oh, wow. And Carousel. And we had ne we'd never seen the movies or the screenplay, so we just made it, you know, made up all these uh, mad stories with our dolls. And Oh, my gosh. And that was our, that was, you know, that was our... in intensive education for two years as well as you know hitting encountering sort of horrendous weather conditions and uh and tiny pieces of paradise on desert islands and things like oh that. my gosh yeah so it's a life of high contrast and and uh <laughs> self-reliability you know relying on self for, for, yeah. for and that but i think that really sets off like fireworks in the synapses and uh the child finds well, herself, you know. Yeah, because you know you're you're isolated for weeks, months at a time, and you you know if you don't start doing something, you you'll go crazy. And you know you had those tapes, and is that when you really started singing and singing along with those those tapes that your grandfather made? You know that came earlier, actually. I did. I found. Okay. Um, um, I just found that uh, I love to sing, and I always did. And I found that it gave me a deep, a deep sense of peace and um, all rightness with the world. And mm. I, I always did that for, so, uh, for um, self, 
uh, um, what, what I'm not sure what the word is I'm looking for. It's, it's uh, you know, self. What is it? The word that it's like a. Uh, to comfort yourself, to make make yourself okay. right with the world. Um, nowadays, I call it like an altered state, or even meditation, or a trance state. But you know, as a kid, that's okay. not how you you think about it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just made things right with the world. And I remember doing, you know, putting on plays with my with all my beloved cousins and my sister and it's Christmas and all that kind of thing and I, I remember hearing my my dad's sister my aunt just saying as an aside to someone I she can really sing and uh wow and I took that I drank that I went okay I, that's that's for me and I I never let go of that 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 one comment and uh and that yeah so that was my that was my way in there. That was when you really decided you wanted to make music professionally then, at, at when your aunt told you, know, you overheard your aunt talking about you. Uh, well, I just knew that it was mine. I didn't think beyond that, but I just knew oh, okay. that this was, this was mine. And that was a, a, a moment of outside validation that made it, uh, oh, you know, I just, it, it sort of, um, uh, valid, yeah, validate. It did. It validated that. Okay, okay. And I just, you know, I, I, you know, I, that's it's it still does. You know, I do that. Yeah. It's a huge, and I hear my daughter doing it too because we just, I, I, if I'm not talking and I don't talk very much, I'm singing or just, you know, just making making it up as I go along, whatever I do, and. um my daughter does the same thing as one of her greatest joys for me is to just oh, hear gosh. her in her little world, just, you know, <laughs> singing, singing away there is, is really, really beautiful. So you're doing the exact opposite of what your father did then. So, you, I mean, you're, you're, a lot of your music has been improvised, whereas your dad was practicing <laughs> the stuff that was improvised. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because with all that kind of thing, you have to practice, practice just practice so really hard to be able to improvise so yeah. you know it's that, that that old thing and i don't make any claim to any to any uh any any height or depth of knowledge or accomplishment in any of this but you you know it's that uh, the i think it's a picasso quote of uh you have to practice until you can draw like a child you know there's some something yeah. You have yeah, to, you have to know your craft yes, yes. to be able to let go go of it, and uh, so it has. You have to be steeped in the craft, in a sense. Uh, and my 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 craft is very very haphazard. You know, it's a bit of a, it's a car crash of a craft. Yeah. Um, but I am <laughs> I was steeped in it, and uh, now I can I am steeped in it, so I can let it go and. Uh, let the song write itself, if, if you see what I mean. When did you start playing in bands? You, you guys finally stopped sailing and you started your own life at some point. Was Daisy Chainsaw your first real band or did, were there other bands before that? Well, something strange happened and um, I made a tape of, uh, I was singing, loved I absolutely loved 
the rumors album Fleetwood Mac. I just oh yes, because again that was my you know my mum and dad just played that relentlessly, and um, and I I uh, made a tape you know on an old uh, get a you know whatever boombox thing where you have. Uh, they used to have two cassette things on them. Yes, yeah, I, I had. Those. I would play the. I played "Dreams" with Stevie singing, and then I would sing along with Stevie and record it onto the other tape on that on that thing. Oh wow! And I did that just carefully, sort of trying to make my voice the most dominant voice, you know, with with, with miking it up. And my sister had it, and uh, she, she was playing it. Oh, goodness, she was at um, a boarding school when we came back from the sea because my dad had to make some money. We came home with like 50 pounds and a boat. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he'd gone overseas uh, to make money. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Mel got sent to boarding school. And I, I'm sort of a, a bit ashamed of this, but I refused to go. So my mother couldn't join him out there over, overseas but anyway she was at boarding school and she took she took the tape to school with her and she was playing it one day in the dormitory and uh somebody walked in and heard the tape and went oh i uh who's that singing and uh it was me and uh he asked if he could have the tape and she gave it to him and uh and uh, he called me and asked me if I wanted to be in his son, if, if I would consider singing in his son's band. Oh, wow. Now, that guy was, was Glyn Johns and his son wow. was Ethan Johns. And so Ethan, Ethan and I uh, messed around for a year in, in, uh, in Glyn's in Glenn's extraordinary studio and oh my gosh and made some atrocious recordings <laughs> <laughs> but we were learning you know learning all the yeah. time learning all the time and then um i i think ethan and i were gonna go off to la and become rock stars and then then it uh, fell apart as it should do when you're 16 years old Right. Uh, I quitted a scholarship I had at art college, so I suddenly there I was. I didn't have my band, and uh, I I didn't have my scholarship at art, art college, and uh, and I went to London and uh, I did some. I was did I was did some jobs and I answered ads in the Melody Maker, and well actually. I didn't answer ads. I answered an ad. The first ad I answered was I met Crispin, Crispin Gray. And, wow. And we set up Daisy Chainsaw, and that was a four-year a four year adventure. And, uh, and Yeah. So I, that was adventures, my way. Yeah, adventure's definitely a word for it. Yeah. I've I've heard the music and I've I've seen clips of the shows. I never you know, unfortunately back then I never got a chance to see you guys. But those shows were wild. I mean you threw yourself around. Yeah. It was I mean you you gave everything you had on stage. It was yeah. amazing to watch. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I found very early on that there's a, a switch that happens and I'm, you know, that my, I'm, uh, see most people in, in this, in our business do, but I feel things really intently, intensely <clears throat> and uh, the, the, uh, absolute horror of walking on stage you know that sense of sort of exposure and um being on a precipice would it just it flicked it uh just flicked a switch in me so i found that very early on and there there you kind of you know i there was if i had got out of my own way and and uh, stop trying to try. I, yeah, I just had access to, let's say, we had access to a big let go. <laughs> <laughs> As part of Daisy Chainsaw, you, you, you're you on some incredible tours with, with bands, some of my favorite bands like Mud Honey, yeah. Hole. Yeah. Um, Courtney Love even called you one of the first true Riot Girls. <laughs> that Those must have been amazing tours. It, do you have any favorite moments or, or stories from touring with, with some of these um, w really wild bands I'm sort of fortunate unfortunate in the, in in uh, in that uh, you know my m my memory falls apart <laughs> like the road behind me it sort of just disappears <laughs> it just you know just like fractals on a screen yeah just disappears yeah. which is what keeps me keeps me making things you know so that's uh but i did i'm i'm for me courtney love force of nature yeah i adore her i i'm i'm in awe of her and uh and she of you, obviously. She's so powerful. You know, there's she, there's such a power off that woman. and Oh, yeah. And I just, I'm, you know, stand, I can see it in my mind's eye of standing on, just on the side of the stage. It was actually at a gig. I was actually, on, I was actually watching the gig. I was going to say I was side of stage. I wasn't. I was, I was in, in the audience, I think, at a Newport in, in Wales, it was a tiny, tiny crush gig, and absolutely, the, the you know the energy of everybody is so frenetic, and yeah. walls were melting. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think, I think Kurt came. They were he came to that gig because he he talked to my bass player and told him he liked our single that was out at the time. But I just remember oh, cool. I never I never met I never met Kurt. But um just uh just seeing her on stage just seeing as she came on stage just yeah just phenomenal 
the the power and I'm so grateful to have been there and shared all the grimy dressing rooms with with her and uh, <laughs> yeah it's now I I have a question for you and I'm not sure if this happened around this time or not but I heard that Madonna tried unsuccessfully to sign you to her Maverick record label yeah can can you tell me a little bit about that was that at that time period you know, I don't know how all the things fit together, so I can't really say. Crispin's got a much better, Crispin, who is the guitar player, he, he's got a much better kind of hold on the timeline. But um, uh, she did she did ask us, and we were uh, at a point where we were very clear on having as much artistic control as we wanted. And, uh, right. And, uh, you know, who knows... How that would have worked out, um, she maybe. But it seemed like suddenly it seemed a bit overwhelming. Like this was this was the this was the 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 big you know the big the big stuff where we would lose control or something like that. So yeah, and yeah. we were courting uh, one little Indian at the time who we did in in the end uh, sign sign with, um, and. Uh, and who I work with today, even Derek Burkett, I've worked with him on and off my whole, my whole, uh, you know, really for very many years, my whole career. Yeah. And uh, and he, you know, continues to <laughs> give me <laughs> as much artistic freedom as I want. So we did, we did turn that down, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things. Yeah. So. So you left Daisy Chainsaw '93, and uh, years later, you know, several years later, from Queen Adrena, which is another really, you know, can, a band that can be pretty heavy and bombastic. And then moving on, fast forwarding a little bit, there's, you, you met Chris Whittingham yeah. while he was busking and formed Ruby Throat. Yeah. And there's a really sharp difference between the sounds of Queen Adrena and Ruby Throat. It, was that intentional or was it just that's the way you guys kind of felt the music needed to go? Or, or was it like, I'm just tired of... This heavy, loud, crazy yeah. stuff. Let's yeah. do something a little different. You know, the thing when I when I it was that it was when I when uh, yeah when I Crispin and I uh, worked on a song called Pretty Polly, and uh, mm -hmm. th that was our way into Queen Adrena, and we made demos, and they were all on a on a Tascam four track on a on tape, and they were these little kind of broken songs, and they you know they just sounded really how they were supposed to be. And then we got in the studio and it just all exploded into, a, you know, to this like maelstrom rock monster. And, 
And I was, yeah. I was so kind of, you know, I was like, actually, this wasn't what I intended. And But it just grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And anyone that's been in bands for a long time knows that once the monster is rolling, it's really hard to extricate yourself. And, <laughs> and you know, you do, you know, you kind of like lose your brain. And like when, you know, you think, hey, if it's, I've got a good thing going here, even though it's destroying yeah. me, you know, um, <laughs> 10 years oh, later. Man. And, you know, and then I couldn't drive over bridges i've been on tour for so long and i i had just so much so much uh anxiety of being in tour tour buses and driving over bridges it was just like you know i just uh, i really got to the point of of uh but yet still you know i was in that weird position in a tiny tiny band that's sort of crawling on three legs or and and but I'm still paying other people's mortgages and all that kind of thing, and you can't get out of it. And um, anyway, sorry, I'm getting a bit into it, but uh, that's okay. That's what yeah. the show's all about. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I I did, I heard Chris playing on uh, on the, the London Underground, and the acoustics in those tunnels are beautiful. And I just heard this sound that just was just the most beautiful guitar I'd ever heard, and. I just had to find him and I was going to, I was late for somewhere and I couldn't, couldn't, I was running down the tunnels like hearing the sound and I couldn't find where he was and I, and I missed him that time. But then I heard it again two weeks later and I was like, he's back, there he is. And I found him and I went to him and I just, I still have it as, as a screenshot in my mind's eye as I went to him and I just, said you know excuse me and he looked up uh, you know looked up from under his hat brim because he yeah. plays looking you know under his hat not making any eye contact and just in his own beautiful world and uh, and he oh, it's gonna make me cry um <laughs> <laughs> oh god and uh, i just said uh i you know i'm a singer i'd really love to sing with you uh <laughs> I'm sorry, it's making me cry. It's and, okay, um, this is so sweet. And uh, can I have your phone number? And he gave me his phone number and I called in the next day. And uh, I'm, I went and met him and it just happened that he was, you know, he was literally around the corner from me in the same part of London. And uh, wow. I, I went up into his, into this very strange house with loads of layers loads of floors and he had a room a studio up at the top of the house that looked out onto the most beautiful gardens and you just don't see that in london you know it's there's no one has an immense garden but uh he lived in in one of there's a, a brand of chocolate in this country called cadbury's and he lived in one of the Cadbury's house. He was renting a room in a, a, one of oh, wow. the female Cadbury's house, and oh, she okay. she just had these incredible gardens. Anyway, we I there my life changed. It was you know that was a meeting, and I saw him, and we talked, and we played, and uh, we improvised a bit, and everything everything changed. And it took us a long time, but we. Uh, we made the ventriloquist. We were just friends for a long time. With your arms around my neck, we ran through the thorny 
Five years, I was still in Queen Adrena. I still drove over bridges, and it was, uh, it was just horrendous. But eventually, I sort of found found the exit, and uh, what we we got together, and uh, and we've you know been making music ever since. And we sailed around the world ourselves. He he's from Hawaii, and he happened to be a sailor. So you know, it's pure magic there. Yeah, I I don't pray. I I mean, I don't. I'm not religious, but I prayed so hard that more. I'm not religious in the strict sense of organized religion, but I am deeply of meditation and manifestation and all that. Uh, And I, I needed a way. And the day I met him, he, I'd asked deeper than I'd ever asked for an intervention in my life, and. uh, yeah, I found so that's him. not that's not coincidental that you two met then. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and there's more. I won't go on, but he'd kind of seen me at some club a few months before, and uh, his his uh, his friend had said, "Hey, look, that one over there with the hat on, she's the one for you." And uh, anyway. <laughs> that one over there yeah that one over there because we're both like from the family of hats you know we both we both wear hats (laughs) so anyway you know definitely meant to be yeah 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 so the music for ruby throat is is striking and it is beautiful and it's very um musically it's very cinematic almost yeah i mean i can hear the music as a soundtrack to a film as opposed to these individual songs they mm. they seem to to flow really really amazingly well together and it it's it's like it was written with a a theme in mind and uh which seems to be you know obviously a little bit different from some of the other stuff that you've done but your your performances are just as intense as the bombastic stuff with Daisy Chainsaw and Queen Adrena. I don't know how you do it because I, I get exhausted watching it, and it, but exhausted in a good way. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> it, it's um, it's an amazing intensity that that the two of you bring to just on stage just together. I, I, how do you guys do that? Well, I think uh, you know the the word you used there was uh, cinematic, and I I think that's that is that is right in terms of its scale because he you know Chris that's where he came from. He's he's a filmmaker first, and he's okay. He's uh, he's um, you know he loves all, I think it's David Lean. He loves all the the. I think I I hope I've quoted that right. The big, really big, gorgeously cinematic movies. That's him. You know, that's his in- yeah. internal landscape. That's what he. That's that's his story, and um, you know the um, in terms of the intensity. You know, it's it's just how I got born. You know, I did. Yeah, I didn't. Um, 
the various points maybe i would ex- i would have exchanged it but i've <laughs> i've learned you know to live with it for better or worse and uh you know it's just what what i am so i think it's also but there's also actually i will there's a flip because actually i'm really introverted and very happy in my own company very quiet and uh very at peace with my internal landscape i need it i spend most of my time there and Mm. um i find the outside world an assault on my senses uh, I can understand that. Yeah. So, so it's. Uh, I guess it's. It's the way I am balanced. You know, there's. If I um, somewhere there's 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 a a, a, ba- a balance to be found in that. I guess from the introversion to the apparent <laughs> extroversion, which isn't. I wouldn't. I don't think it is really extroversion, but. Um, Going, I in the clips, in, in the clips that I've seen, it you look like you're being transported, like like you basically just left your own body, and it's doing its own thing, regardless of what you want it to do. So it's it's a really, oh gosh, now I'm losing the word. It, it's it's a transformative or, or uh, event. Do the uh, do, do you notice? Are you aware of the crowd at that point, and, and are they as into it as you see as you get? Um, I, okay, so I, I do use the, the switch, the trigger, you know, the switch I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, it does create an altered state and I've learned to let that be, let that happen. Okay. So it does create an altered state, and I, I, uh, I'll sort of flesh this out a bit with um, the word meditation. I am I I med I've meditated since I was eighteen, right? And it's to be to become no one. Okay. To not be, uh, to not be. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. It's, it's eternally impossible to explain with words, but um, it, it well, simply, you know, it's just like anyone dancing or losing themselves in music. Lo- to lose yourself. So I, okay, I consciously set it up. To lose myself. Are you there? Are you there? I am here. Do you have me? Um. Oh, did I hit the oh. mute button? Oh, <laughs> I think maybe. <laughs> I did. I did. I think I was getting overly excited. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah, I hit. That's the- what editing's for. <laughs> you know that's what? The- that's one reason why I don't do this live. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about losing myself, and there we go. I lost myself. Didn't I? I turned perfect my, example. I turned myself off. Yeah. Nope. Well, all right. So I have a I have a, a question for you. Yeah. Ruby. So Ruby Throat is you and Chris. Yeah. Liar Flower is also you and Chris. How are the two different? Okay. Um. Well, we'd you know after that um, not being able to drive over bridges, I uh, 
just couldn't hear drums anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't have that dictate the rhythm of me. I had to, I had to get some, uh, some sense of uh, being, holding the, the, the wheel again myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for really for a lot, well, I think, yes, like maybe eight, nine years, we didn't, we didn't really have drums of any of any real kind. Maybe there was a couple of things. Dog song, I okay, think, has yeah. some kind of rhythmic element to it. Um, so we didn't do that. For, and then coming back from the sea from our second circumnavigation with a, with our baby girl and Chris's, Chris, Chris's boy, D- Dylan, who's uh, now 18. Um, okay. We, uh, we, we were in the, on the land and... We had some walls around us and we could make a noise and it just seemed time to start making a noise again. And that coincided with uh, a, a sort of introducing Ruby Throat record we did last year through One Little Indian because we made lots of records but we felt like no one had really heard them. So we went, we did a sort of, yeah, sort of introducing, taking our favourite songs from Ruby Throat and doing a, an album called Stone Dress. But then I'd left off what I suddenly thought was some key songs and uh, uh, we put those on a CD and stuck them on, on the vinyl and called that little EP Lie a Flower and... I'd found that those words in one of my writing books and they just became louder and louder and louder. And I said to Chris, I think we got, we got to, we've got to go with this. We need to, you know, we need to move into this new uh, identity, into this new person. Okay. Or this new perspective, just a slight slant on it. And, uh, and it just felt really good to like, to be like a flower. And, uh, that took us down a new, new ro- road of improvising with with uh, uh, through med- through the meditation stream of consciousness that I was writing, and uh, and uh, Chris plugging in, you know, actually yeah. playing electric guitar, which he hadn't been able to do for such a long time, and we improvised together. And uh, those some of those songs like Mud, Mud Stars and My Brain Is Lit Like an Airport, they are actual improvisations. My brain is lit like an airport So the angels will find me Oh wow! That you know that thing where you can, 
once you're steeped in your craft that you can let go and improvise and the song comes out and he's a good editor he's you know he's from filmmaking background and he can really find the story in there so those songs are the slightly mess around with edited version of of actual improvisations and i'm wow i'm gratified you know we got that we finally made that we're able to make that happen well the, which is kind of a lifelong a lifelong destination really i've always wanted to be able to capture the first thing and have that be the real thing the recording well, it's, it's amazing uh, that that song in particular uh my brain is like an airport that i love that track but the you do a, a lot of really interesting sequencing like um the album is sequenced really interestingly like <laughs> um broken light is uh you know uh followed by even though the darkest clouds and then to bloodberry so you're going like soft to something pretty hard then back to something nice and and, and soft and light again it it really highlights the stark difference between a lot of the songs mm -hmm. it's amazing and then you have little brown shoe yeah which that's improvised actually was that one that was actually we worked that out a bit but there is that is mainly that is yeah no actually we did we wrote some of that before we improvised but it, you know it's a live anyway they're all live recording so okay so the, so the there's a lot of, of improvis improvisation as you're recording, even if it's uh, something you've already worked on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. With something like Little Brown Shoe. Yeah. Now, that one sounds like there's some humor to oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank God. I kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> so does humor play much into the music because a lot of it can be pretty intense and, and if there is a humor it's maybe not obvious is does that play a part in your songwriting um i think yeah you know i guess i don't get i guess uh, <laughs> i guess it's not very apparent <laughs> but um you know in the end it's all just a bit of it's just a bit of fun isn't it <laughs> yeah so I, I do have another question though bef before we we start to to wind everything down. I know I've kept you for a while. You and, and Chris did go back out and, and live on a small sailboat, mm -hmm. raising your daughter yeah. and spending some years at at sea. Why did you make that choice? Uh, you know, spend, you spend, I know you spent several years as a child out on sea, and then was it just a, it was such a great experience for you that you wanted to do that with Chris and and your daughter? Yeah. Yeah, we had we had a we had a, an extraordinary event. We were living on a canal boat in in London, and, and uh, we had some a, sort of an, an extraordinary sort of family event, which I won't, I won't go into the details of it. But it it sure. um, it just we just went okay. We're gonna we're we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do this now. We have the means. Uh, we bought a boat on the internet. And uh, I was 
heavily pregnant and uh, Chris went and collected and sailed the boat back from Gibraltar. Wow. Uh, we spent a year fitting out the boat and uh, and we left. Oh, my God. And we left and uh, we spent four years sailing around the world. Four years is, is you know, more more time to spend in uh, in the beautiful places. And it was... Uh, Yes, Lely had she grew. She was one year one a one year old when we left. Oh my gosh! And uh, it was um, it's everything doing that. It's real life. That's the thing that we love about it. Is you you know it's so elemental, and it brings yeah. you so firmly into your body, and. I keep wanting. I keep wanting to avoid what I'm going to say, but it literally cut. It cuts the crap, you know. It, mm-hmm. it literally does. And we, for us, it, even the canal boat was like that. It's very elemental life. The first night on the canal boat, we woke up with you know ice on the inside of the windows, and I. Oh wow! But I do fear that that's the right way. You know, you need. I fear that human. Or certainly, I, actually, I would never put anything on anyone else. But for for us, you need grist to the mill. You need to have a, like a physical, a physical wrestling match rather than a mental wrestling match. Okay. Um, it may it puts things into um into the right order for me. Okay. And uh, and stops the mind being dominant. And running away with itself and getting overly excited and overly obsessed and overly anxious and all that kind of thing. Oh, okay. If you're working the body, if you li- if you do what the body, you know, use your body in a very physical survival way, there's the mind settles, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't eat the body. That's, you know what, that's an excellent point. I didn't think about that. So that kind of brings me to the next question I've got for you. Does the sea play an influence in the song? I mean, the isolation of being at the sea, I'm sure does, but you could have moved to a, you know, a farm and been just as isolated. Yeah. Did this, does the sea play an influence in your music, vocally and musically? Yeah. Lyrically, I guess. Absolutely. And you know, it's, 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 um, I, it's where I'm at peace and I need it. I need it and I need to immerse in it. I need to get in it every day. I need that. Um, I need, yes, I, I, I need it. And I've, I, I, I need white noise. I need that noise. I, I really do. I find that just puts me into such a state of bliss um, and I, you know, I found that on air conditioning units way before I actually was aware of the, of what it was, or certain fans in certain bathrooms. You know, that kind oh, of okay. just that sound. That I just, I, I just, I need that certain frequency, and I, I, yeah, I, I, I am of the sea. I am of the sea, and it's always. We're just waiting now to our boats waiting for us round the corner. We Oh wow. We return to the sea. We go we go back this year. We go back to the sea. Oh wonderful, wonderful. And and I wanted to say that, you know, 
that uh, watching the videos and and and, uh, and the the visual imagery that goes along with the music is is amazing. Chris is is just incredibly talented at what he does. He is. And, <laughs> yeah. and each of Ruby Throat's releases have had some kind of handcrafted packaging and artwork, some exclusive things, and some limited edition runs uh, of of uh, physical copies of, of each album. Is that kind of bespoke approach going to continue with Liar Flower? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we're in the in the time that we're in, and that meant that the uh, factory that we are, it's a like, like a little local printing shop that we use, that was all shut down as well, and that's why mm. we wanted to release this record. We knew the records for now, and um, we we that's why I went back to One Little Indian and to Derek because they have access to um so they're helping with us helping us with it to make a, a limited a limited edition it'll be a double vinyl one. Oh wow so it's got a couple of extra songs on it as well of that uh, of that liar of the liar flower geiger counter record so we're doing that with them um and we will I think we will we are going to do some actual in actual limited edition packages that we just make hand make ourselves at home of this record as well oh cool so we will do that and then i think uh we'll do we'll get to work on the next record and uh carry on with our you know our diy cottage boat industry where we we um (laughs) you know we we sell it sell it to the the, our beloved people that are our our supporters and patrons that uh, keep us being able to do what we what we do year after year. You know, we're incredibly yeah. fortunate to be able to do to be self touchwood sufficient uh, musicians, doing you know making what we love and having people. Literally, you know, it's like the old fashioned. Way of hundreds of years ago, you know, a patron of the arts these days, it's scattered among hundreds of people rather than just one benefactor. And it's yeah. without the internet, you know, we could never have done this. And so we're eternally grateful for, for everything that we, for everything that we have and everything that we can, you know, it gives us such a, such a artistic freedom and such a physical freedom as well. Albeit living very, very, very frugally, but we're we're, we're good for that. And I like that, you know, it keeps me, literally keeps me hungry. I've always been hungry and I know that's instrumental in in my work. So um, being hungry. Yeah, it's definitely fuel for for the creative side of you, for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the album, the album closes, at least the version that I have, I don't, don't know about the uh, the extra stuff that's coming with the, uh, the the vinyl, but the album version that I have closes with um, "Doors Locked, Ovens Off." Yeah, that is beautiful. as a beautiful instrumental, and it's possibly one of my favorite titles ever. <laughs> is that both of you playing, or is that just Chris? Oh no, that's just Chris. That's that's Chris left to his own devices. <laughs> well, he, it's absolutely beautiful. It is beautiful, isn't it? And he, you know, you could probably listen to an hour of that, but he, you know, he did a really hard edit on it. Mm-hmm. 
okay. Because I, I could have listened to that for probably an hour without okay. even get, realizing I'll, it. I'll get him to send you a long version of it. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, now, how can people find the album? When is it coming out? Um, how do they order it? And how do they follow you on social media? And are you going to be uh, able to post and, and to keep people up on what you're doing even when you're out to sea? Or are you going to cut off completely? Well, we always, uh, we get, wherever we get, you know, there's a, uh, you got this World Wide Web thing going on, so <laughs> you, you, you can go and find it, you know. it's even that crazy internet. And it is crazy, you know, in the most remote spots on earth, there it is, there's the tiny, <laughs> the tiny, you know, little, little dusty, dusty table, and there's an internet connection there on a desert island with three people. Unbelievable. It, you know, so there, so there it is, for better or for worse. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm well. My my website is uh, katiejanegarside dot com. That that sort of serves up as a sort of hub for all the for all the stuff that we you know we sort of in a sort of quite a chaotic way try and sort of keep a handle on. Okay. And then I do I do take part. A little bit on Instagram, and that's I think my thing there is uh, Garside Katie Jane on there, and um, I believe this record is out um, on the first of May. Uh, you can already go to the One Little Indian website and download it now, and buy the limited edition vinyl, which will be ready. In a little while, and um, I think, yeah, I think there's 500 copies of that, so I think that's that. Um... It's better jump on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, can, thank you guys so much for spending so much time with me. It's been a really, uh, it's, it's been a blast talking to you and getting to know a little bit about your history and what got you to where you are now. And it's, I'm honestly fascinated by the whole spending a year at sea my wife and i have actually talked about something like that not as extreme as sailing around the world we're just we're just thinking like you know houseboat on the gulf of mexico kind of thing but do it but, do uh, it <laughs> do but it yeah i don't have i don't have the uh, sailing chops that you guys do well a lot of people don't you know when they start out and quite often the most dangerous bit about sailing is is the land so you get on your boat and you start and you head out to sea and then you can figure it out uh, as long as you've got nothing to hit you know as long as it, that's the main thing and you keep and you know keep your feet clear of the lines that's Okay. That's 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 the other bit of advice, but but yeah, no houseboat Mexico do it. It's so gorgeous. You don't need to learn to sail. Canal boat in London is just just such a beautiful way to live, and you know you you can the, you can feed the swans in the morning. They'll come up to your little window and all that kind. Of, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. I'm going to mention it to my wife because we've kind of thrown that about for well, actually ever since we got married almost 20 years ago and. It's uh, it's been something we've we've thrown about. Yeah, we should do it. No, I don't know. You will we, we not look been. back. You will not look back. You will not. I, you should do that. <laughs> Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 